If you then have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. These powerful words found in Paul's letter to the Colossians remind us of our new identity in Christ. As Christians, we are raised, seated, and hidden in Christ. One day we will also appear with him in glory. The devil is the father of lies, and that also makes him an identity thief. The last thing he wants you to know is your true identity in Christ. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Hello, and welcome to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. My name is Brian. Thanks for stopping by. Let me ask you, are you seeking the kingdom of God above all else? Today, Ron reminds us that those who think most of the next world will do the most good in this one. Stay right here as Ron moves ahead in his teaching series, Colossians, Jesus is Greater Than. Or come see us at somethinggoodradio.org where you can hear any of Ron's messages on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Now from Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia, where he serves as lead pastor, here's Ron with part two of his Something Good Radio message, Your New Identity in Christ. He came as an undercover boss, as it were, disguising and laying aside some aspects of his deity. But if you fast forward to the end of the New Testament, to the book of Revelation, chapter 1, you'll see Jesus described in all of his glory. This is the big reveal. And what I'm simply suggesting to you is that what it means to be hidden in Christ is that who we really are and, and the glory we will share and the reigning and ruling that we will do with Christ is sort of disguised a little bit in our humanity. But there is coming a day when the big reveal will happen and the unbelieving world will say, you got to be kidding me. I had no idea who those Christians were who were identified with the death, the burial, even the ascension of Jesus Christ. They reign and rule with Him. There is coming a day when uh, the big reveal will happen. Paul says it this way, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory, which is the fifth word that I want to have us write down here this morning. It's the word glorified. There is there's glory in your future and in my future. Now, again, each of these words describes a present reality, some of which, like the glory when He appears, will be revealed in a greater sense when Christ comes. Now, knowing who you are in Christ should make you throw back your shoulders a little bit, not walk around like you're just some you know, poor, you know, I can't do anything kind of Christian, just tiptoeing through this life. Who you are in Christ shapes your identity. Now the question is, how do we live out that identity? It's not enough just to learn about it, but how do we live it out? And by the way, I just want you to put by those first five words the word reality. 
all right? Because again, these are present realities. But by the next part of uh, the message this morning, I want you to put the word responsibility. Because knowing who we are in Christ leads to some responsibilities in terms of how we live out our new identity in Christ. And Paul makes this very clear in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Uh, the first responsibility he gives us is to put heaven's priorities into daily practice. In light of who we are in Christ, you're going to have to reprioritize your life and put heaven's priorities first. Uh, go back to verse 1 where he says, if then you have been raised with Christ, here it is, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of the Father. Just circle that word, seek. And it speaks of those, uh, those priorities of heaven that we're to put into daily practice. Makes me think of something Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, where he waxes eloquently about things related to uh, worry and he describes worry and all the things we worry about in this life, and he tells us how foolish it is to worry about, you know, the clothes that we'll wear and the food that we'll eat, all the things that keep us up at night. And then he concludes that little teaching by saying, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. All what things? All the things we worry about. <laughs> You get your priorities right, and you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and God promises to take care of the rest. He really does. Uh, in Colossians, Paul says, seek the things that are above. What are you seeking most in your life? Let me draw some contrast between heaven's priorities and earth's priorities, starting with this. Thy kingdom above my kingdom. <laughs> Isn't that what Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now's the time to just, you know, do a little inventory in your life and ask yourself an honest question. Don't think about the person to your left or, or to your right. Think about yourself and say, am I more about thy kingdom come, thy will be done, or, or am I more about my kingdom and my will? Uh, am I trying to get, you know, heaven to do in my little corner of the earth what I want done, or, or am, I, am I asking God to bring, bring heaven to, to my will and to, to my priorities? How about this one? Self-denial above self-indulgence. Didn't Jesus tell us, if you want to be one of my disciples, deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me, right? Now, last week we talked about self-denial from Colossians chapter 2, and we said there's an extreme version of self-denial. It's called asceticism, which led to monasticism, which was the building of the monasteries and all of that in church history. And there's some people who believe that you know, I, 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 need to, I need to practice self-denial, and they do damage to their body, and they isolate themselves from the world. and all. That's called asceticism. And Paul says, that's not the real substance of your faith. You know, don't go to that extreme. But don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Self-denial is fundamental to what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus says, deny yourself, 
Take up your cross daily and follow me. Again, time of self-examination and inventory. What have you denied yourself recently, maybe even delayed the gratification of, in order to advance the cause of Christ and the kingdom of God in this world? That's a, that's a convicting question, I know. But if we're going to put heaven's priorities into daily practice as a result of who we are in Christ, well, we have to pursue self-denial above self-indulgence. The world's priorities is self-indulgence. You hear it every day through all the advertisements, and you might as well give yourself a break today and do it today because, you know, hey, you're just all about you is the message we get from the world. And Jesus says, no, you've got to flip that around. It's about self-denial. Here's another comparison and contrast. Uh, giving above getting. Have you figured this out yet? I mean, heaven's priority is about the giving of our time and our talents and, yes, our money, our treasure. The world's all about getting. Get all you can, can all you get, sit on the lid and get your paws off my stuff. That's the way, that's the way we live, right? That's what the world tells us. But it's not, it's not becoming of a Christian who calls himself a believer in Jesus Christ, certainly one who understands his identity in Christ to be all about getting and a grouch when it comes to giving. Come on now. We're to be growing in the grace of giving because God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son so that whosoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. Are you becoming more and more like Christ because you're putting heaven's priorities in the daily practice, including giving above getting? How about serving above ruling? Jesus said, you know, the, the greatest in the kingdom of God is the one who serves. And then how about forgiving above avenging? I'm just listing out some of the priorities of heaven and asking ourselves, because of who we are in Christ, isn't it time to put heaven's priorities into daily practice? Secondly, we've got to think on the eternal, not the temporal. So go back to Colossians 3, and Paul says in verse 2, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. In light of who you are in Christ, You've died, you've been raised, you're seated, you're hidden, you're glorified in Christ. In light of that, set your mind on the things above. So here's the question. What are you thinking about? Where did you spend most of your intellectual time this week? What did you fill your mind with? Eternal things or things that are not going to last? I think of the uh, person who said it this way, you, you sow a thought, you reap an action. You sow an action, you reap a habit. You sow a habit, you reap a character. You sow a character, you reap a destiny. It starts with the first thought. Dr. Ron Jones will be right back with the second half of today's message, Your New Identity in Christ. Visit somethinggoodradio.org anytime to ask our ministry team to pray for you or to order selected resources from our online store. 
So let me ask you, do you have a passion to pray? Would you like to learn to pray with zeal from someone who mastered the art of divine communication? The disciples asked Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. And he gave them a model for prayer that even a child can learn. Today, Dr. Ron Jones is ready to share his brand new book, The Jesus Way to Pray, an intimate journey through the Lord's Prayer. Join Ron as he guides you phrase by phrase through the power and beauty of the prayer that begins, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You'll also find an entire chapter that explains how Jesus prays for you and me, as well as biblical answers to the age-old question, does God answer prayer? That's The Jesus Way to Pray, an intimate journey through the Lord's Prayer. Order your copy for a donation of $25 or more. Share it with a friend and request a two-pack for $50, a four-pack for $75, or an eight-pack for $150 or more. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org or over the phone by calling our offices at 757-276-1099 or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. Now let's get you back to the rest of today's Something Good Radio message, Your New Identity in Christ. Once again, here's Dr. Ron Jones. Proverbs says, as a man... As a woman thinks in his or her heart, so is he. Who you are, how you think about your identity, it starts with the first thought. Maybe those first thoughts are lies that somebody told you about yourself, lies that came from the father of lies. Maybe it's lies that you've conjured up about yourself. Maybe it's a set of circumstances that have made you feel a certain way. And your first thoughts are negative, not positive. They're ungodly, not godly. They're earthly, not heavenly. Paul says, set your mind on things above, not on things on this earth. Now, that doesn't mean that we become so heavenly-minded that we're no earthly good, right? But what it does mean is as we go about our business on this earth, going to work and, you know, looking at our families and taking care of our families and having relationships, that thoughts about heaven and eternity are never far from us. And, in fact, we're, we're thinking about doing all of this in light of eternity, we're asking ourselves those eternal questions. If, if, is what I am doing and giving myself to helping to advance the cause of Christ and helping me to live a life based on eternal things or not? I think Abraham was a good example of this. Remember Abraham in the Old Testament? Abraham was 75 years old. Actually, he was Abram at that time. His wife, Sarai, she was 65. And they were comfortable in their retirement in the Ur of Chaldees. Abraham had done well for himself. He was a wealthy man. Everything, uh, every category by which you would define wealth in terms of your flocks and your goats and all that, Abraham had a lot of it. And he was a very wealthy man. He was going to have a comfortable retirement in what is today modern Iraq, the Ur of Chaldees. It was a pagan country. And Abraham was a pagan man serving pagan gods, but that's when the God of the Bible, the one true God, Yahweh, shows up in Abraham's uh, tent and he says, Abram, I'm calling you out. <laughs> I'm calling you out. And I got plans for you beyond this retirement in the Ur of Chaldees. And Abraham, or Abram, became a Yahweh follower. And I would have loved to have been there the day that he uh, turned to his wife Sarai and said, uh, Honey, we're, we're pulling up the tent pegs and our retirement's going to look a little bit different. 
But the writer of Hebrews summarizes Abraham's experience, and he says, he was a man who left the Ur of Chaldees and started moving toward a land of promise, a foreign land. Abraham saw himself as a foreigner, as a pilgrim, as a stranger in this world, because now he was thinking about heavenly things and eternal things. Uh, Are you too comfortable with this world? Paul says, set your mind on things above, not on things on this earth. Problem is, too many of us have spent all of our time thinking about earthly things and temporal things, and we become real comfortable with the world in which we live. But the reality is, because we came to faith in Christ, we're now citizens of another world. And because as citizens of another world, our identity is shaped by heaven and the values, the language, and the purpose of heaven. Don't get too comfortable in this world. Have you ever traveled to a foreign country when I had the opportunity to do that? I never quite feel at home. I enjoy the experience, but I don't feel like it's home. Dorothy was right. There's no place like home. There's no place like home, right? But we should never get so comfortable in this world, excuse me, in this world where we click our heels together and say, there's no place like earth. That, that's, that's not the believer in Jesus Christ who sets his affections, another translation says, sets his affections on things above, not on things on this earth. The writer of Hebrews goes on to say of Abraham that he was now looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. It defines how Abraham had moved from somebody who was all about earthly things and temporal things and now, you know, he, he was setting on a course toward heavenly things. I'm just saying, if you want to live out your new identity in Christ, you've got to think on eternal and not on the temporal. And then finally, make Jesus Christ the focus of your life. Go back again to uh, Colossians 3, verse 4, when Christ, who is your life, appears then you also will appear with Him in glory." There's the assumption in Paul's words that Christ is your life, that He's the sum total of and the focus of your life. Oh, not just a little appendage over here, not just somebody you think about once a week or maybe twice a month when you land in church and you want to think spiritual thoughts for a little while, and then you get back to earthly things. Now, he's talking about people who make Jesus Christ the focus of their life. Remember, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Then all these things will fall into place. But I'll ask you the hard question as I ask myself the hard question. Is Jesus Christ really the focus of our life? Is Jesus Christ your life or is something else like your work? I I understand you got to get out there and make a living and make a job, but has it become such a focus, the goals you've set for yourself, that Christ has become secondary? Uh, Maybe it's not your work. Maybe it's sports or travel or family. Dare I say that family should not be the first priority in your life? Well, Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you have to hate your mother, your father, your brother, and your sister. I come first, Jesus says, and your love for me and your loyalty to me and your devotion to me ought to be so strong and so singular and so focused (laughs) 
that if you had to make a choice between me or your own family, there'd be no question you'd follow me. Or maybe it's money, the things that money will buy. I mean, this is just time for an honest, gut-wrenching assessment, is it not? Is Christ your life? If He is, He promises to take care of the rest. It'll all fall into place. And your, your identity will be shaped and formed in Him. So I ask you the question one more time. May I have your ID, please? This time, reach into the other pocket or the other place and pull out the one that defines who you are in Christ and then begin to live out that identity, putting heaven's priorities into your daily practice, really examining what you're spending the most time thinking about and then making Christ the real focus of your life. Thanks so much for being with us for today's Something Good radio message, Your New Identity in Christ. And I'm pleased now to welcome in Dr. Ron Jones. Ron, you mentioned the phrase hidden in Christ earlier today. And it reminded me of what God said about Abraham, that he believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. That's how it is with us when we believe on the name of Jesus Christ, is it not? That's exactly right, Brian. You know, when a person believes on the Lord Jesus Christ, he or she is saying, I recognize I cannot earn my way into heaven, but I believe what God says about salvation, namely that Jesus has earned it on my behalf. Now, once we express faith that way, God no longer views us through the lens of human performance the lens of the law, as it were. He views us through the lens of his own performance, that is, the completed work of Jesus Christ. His righteousness is appropriated to us, given to us as a free gift. And it's rooted in belief, not behavior. That is why the gospel is such good news, Brian. The debt for our sin is death. And Jesus paid that debt for us on the cross. God has said it, and when we believe it, we are then hidden in Christ so that when God looks at us, he sees not our own performance, but the performance of his son. That really is good news, Ron. But I wonder, why do so many Christians live with guilt and self-condemnation when the truth is we are no longer condemned? Well, Brian, we still have three ever-present enemies here with us, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Before I comment on those, let me just say this. It is the job of the Holy Spirit to bring the conviction of sin to our hearts when there is something in us that is not rightly related to him. So we must always uh, leave room for that. Uh, but back to the world, the flesh, and the devil, the devil will lie to us and try to convince us that we're not good enough or that God is disappointed in us. And our flesh sometimes buys the lie. So I encourage anyone listening today who may be struggling with self-condemnation, anyone living under a cloud of guilt, to open up your Bible to Colossians chapter 3 and just live there for a few days. Dive into what it means to be hidden in Christ, what it means to have a brand new identity in Christ. And I can all but promise you, you won't continue to live in self-condemnation any longer.
That's Dr. Ron Jones with some great final thoughts on what it means to be hidden in Christ. Well, Ron, we're almost out of time, but before we go, tell us what's coming up tomorrow as you continue your series, Colossians, Jesus is Greater Than. Brian, today I talked about our new identity in Christ, our new self, as it were. So for the next two days, I'm going to talk about how we live out this new identity. And the question I want to ask is, are you dressed for spiritual success? Because the Bible tells us to put on this new self. Think of what that means, Brian. If God is telling us to put something on, that means we already have it in our possession. It's hanging in our spiritual closet, as it were, or folded up in our top drawer. And I'll get into what it means to put on this new self and what it looks like uh, to live out the new self right here on Something Good Radio. That's Monday when Dr. Ron Jones shares his message, putting on your new self. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.